0: Zwift has group rides for all levels. With a ride approximately every 30 minutes, you can join a group and ride that fits your schedule and your level. Group rides stay together behind a leader. They enjoy friendly banter, a relaxed vibe, a little bit of fun and some friendly racing. Just like rides in the real world, except there's no worries about a rear wheel puncher slowing the group down or being left behind. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today.
1: Welcome to the Swiss Cycling Central podcast for another week of incredible cycling, another week of surprises and dramas in the world of cycling. Uh, before we start, let me remind you that you can uh, download or stream our podcast from our own website, sbs.com.au slash central, or you can follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. Uh, joining me to discuss all this and much more, we have a full squad in the studio. Uh, let's start with Sophie Smith back in the country. Hi, Sophie. Hello. How uh, are you? I'm good. And you? Good. It's been ages. Good.
2: Got a bit jet lag. A bit of, <laughs> a, bit of a tan for me, actually.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, Maka, uh,
3: you're here. I am. You're still here. I am bun- guns <laughs> buns, guns blazing today.
1: I am ready to go. It's going to be good. And Pat, Pat, Show, how are you doing?
4: Really good. Yeah, it's been an intense week in cycling.
1: And thanks for fixing my bike uh, on the way in. It's part, it of, it's part of the parcel. <laughs> That's how I get the gig. I cannot let you say this. I'm going to get fired if I let you say this. <laughs> you're here because you're good. Uh, let's talk cycling. paris this week. I love paris don't you? I love it. It's... it's um,
3: no, look. It's historically it's a it's a big tour, big of the smaller tours, the one week tours. It's a great race. I still don't think it gets the. Maybe it's just in Australia. It doesn't get the coverage that it deserves. I suppose SBS has got every stage.
1: It has it's just, just late because of the, the nature It's of the race. late.
3: I guess it's it's a big long year, isn't it? And I'm, I guess I'm talking about the fans who switch on for the Tour de France, wouldn't we love them to switch on, more of them to switch on for Paris-Nice? Because it's, it's got some... And it's got some... It's a good key marker for the, for the year ahead.
1: Absolutely. A big shout-out, actually, to the people on Twitter, because there's not that many people on Twitter that go onto the hashtag SBA Cycling, but you, you find the usual culprits from the, from the Tour de France. A so big shout-out to them. Uh, what do you make of this year's edition of Paris-Nice?
2: It's been different. My favourite and I, or well, the most impressive for me so far in the race, I've been looking at the sprinters because I spoke to Andre Gripel at the Abu Dhabi tour and he wasn't that enthusiastic about Paris He was just like, it's hard if there's crosswinds and it's just really bloody cold, was his summation. But um, we said off air before that I was looking at what he's doing because. He's basing his performance there as to whether he'll target Milan San Remo. But the big one for me, just looking at the individual stages, and I always stuff up his name, is Dylan... Grunovigen. Thank you. I don't you, know if we're right either, by <laughs> the way. When he won the final stage, I've been watching him for a while. He's working with Mershan Zeman, who was... Um, a coach behind sort of Marcel Kittel and John Degenkolb and when he won the stage on you know, the Tour de France the final stage of the Tour de France last year went okay and he's been around in the mix for a long time but the last sort of six to eight months he really seems to be coming into his own and I'm really excited to see what he does this season
4: I have to agree that was an incredible sprint he went very long okay uh, quick step bundled it up a little bit. They tried their old, uh, slipped the two off the front, not as strong mm. as previously, so they didn't survive. And then he just waited, and you can see on the footage where he pounces, and even though he knew that that was too long, because it was a long way to go, I think he hit out like 400 to go. Um, old school. But he was just and There was no way Viviani was coming off his wheel, and anyone out there knows I'm a massive Viviani fan.
3: Well, but his quality Oregon,
4: just It was a really strong sprint. I kind of find familiarities with Bretton-Jones and, and, and mm-hmm. Grunewagen's sprinting style. And uh, Bretton-Jones, 16th in that same stage. So over there, his first ever Paris-Nice World Tour event. Um, it's great to see the Aussie up there as
1: well. He was well excited when we uh, spoke to him. He was well excited about this tour. How well can he do? Do you think he can actually do something? Or is it just not there yet?
4: Physically, yes, but just not. The, the fundamentals aren't in place here. You can't throw a guy uh, into that level of racing, particularly um, you've got to take into account conditions and all those things as well. He's still getting familiarised with his team. Um, I think he's really doing everything right. He's following the ledger, uh, the best way to be successful for Brenton Jones. Um, and I think he'd be very happy that he's just getting through the process at the moment. And, and I'd be surprised if his team's putting all that much pressure on him at this point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And he's, he mentioned on social media that uh, in one of the last sprints, he, he felt really good. He just missed the last lead. So that's, that's those technicalities you're talking about.
4: Yeah, and, and they're not easy just to pick up because he's not getting to practice those five days a week. You know, it's not like the National Road Series where he'd make every single finish. You know, in the world tour level, maybe he's making two out of seven days or something like that. So even when he does go to a race, he gets two opportunities to learn. So he's just gotta keep learning. And it's yeah, it's
3: slightly I mean Nice is slightly harder than the tour of Sun Rasia. I mean <laughs> you know, let's let's <laughs> Yeah, to put it in perspective. Marginally, <laughs> Dave, come on. Yeah. S- Please explain. Wait <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'll go there. I think uh, I think our listeners get it. I uh, uh,
4: gotta say, Jonathan Hiver overnight that, that was a brilliant ride. He's abs- a smart ride. And to think that he's 32, he was like the guy that everyone knew thought was going to do massive things, disappeared for ages. And it was only that his good performances in, in last year, that uh, or the year before, should I say, direct energy picked him back up. He was done. And what about, and to
3: go on to that as well, how could we forget um, Sanchez, Louis-Leon Sanchez in the yellow, 38, I think he is turning, winding back the clock a bit, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Who's the,
1: who's the natural favourite for the win? Well, i uh, Sophie that. Sophie, no, no, you don't.
2: I'm saying no. <laughs> no My li- head's not, been wrapped up in other business that we'll come to later. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think. So I'll throw that f- back out. First
1: seat on the fence. Throw that you. back yeah. <laughs> 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 on yep. at you. First black
2: Coming mark, from the pro. Um, <laughs> you don't wind me up. Just because I've been away doesn't mean I'll go easy on you. <laughs> I would have
4: said before the Starwood polls, yep. but now Luis Leon Sanchez is in the box seat. He's got a strong Astana back here. He'll be a
3: hard man to dismantle. You wouldn't have said it if he wasn't in the lead, but he, he's such a class rider.
4: He's the only guy, and albeit that Alejandro Valverde gave him the stage victory, he's the only guy that's been able to match Alejandro Valverde this year on any level, anywhere. So I think he's the favourite now.
1: Do you still rate Astana in the way they've been riding?
4: Yeah. Yeah, I still think that they're just incredible at the moment. I think that um, you need to just follow the way the teams made moves. There's no real, true number one leader there now, so they all know they're going to get their opportunities, unlike probably before. And uh,
3: are, are they getting? Are they getting their wages paid? Are be, they getting paid at the moment? Well, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it, it has that been confirmed in the
2: Middle East and. As so far as they, they were paid. concerned, they were getting paid, despite oh, what their general manager <laughs> said. So there's a bit of conjecture as to whether those claims were oh. perhaps just a strategic like <laughs> nudge for government funding. Um, but I'm interested to see what they do this season, because they do have designated leaders for the Giro and the Tour.
1: Okay. Uh, weather-wise, it's always a crazy race, Pyrenees. How hard it is to ride when it's that cold or that wet?
2: Oh, it's, br- it's brutal.
1: I used to...
3: From a rider's perspective, I used to hate the cold but not mind the rain, if that makes sense, because it could be warm and wet and I could deal with that. The cold is your body just shuts down on minding. Some riders can deal with it and and enjoy it. No, it's tough, and we know it's been brutally cold over there.
4: Not to say that you were much time before me because we raced together, Maka, but clothing's really changed since you raced, and that is where it's a lot better. That's why we see such big... Groups of So riders basically still, you're saying they got it way easier than what we had. Yep. Uh, I agree. <laughs> no, I am. Yes, to deal with the weather conditions, yes. Like uh, base layers have improved incredibly. Uh, outer garments, they're not flappy and they keep you warm and dry, uh, but you don't overheat in them because somehow they breathe as well. This is where technology's coming. Um, it, it's a fantastic thing. I think Simon Clark is quoted on saying the cold isn't a problem if you don't get cold, so dress accordingly. And mm. if you dress accordingly, you do well. Look at all the classics that are coming up. Don't worry, they're not going to be stellar, uh, stellar days of 30 degrees. There'll be some pretty filthy Who days. Who knows what we'll get. And they dress accordingly. Uh, you see more than ever riders racing in leg warmers. I was about
3: to say, yeah. you wouldn't have seen that 10, 15 years ago. No. Now you see it more and more just because they're, they're tighter fit. They're probably, they breathe better, as you say. They're more comfortable to race in. You feel restricted sometimes with all that clothing on, but mm-hmm. yeah.
4: And that's the thing you can wear an arm warmer or a leg warmer now from anywhere from zero degrees up to 15, and it can be the same garment because it breathes and uh, mm-hmm. it uses the heat that, it, that comes out of the body to, to dry the garment or keep you warm. What about the fit? So that's the other thing. If you're keeping warm, you'll find that your ability to desire food and want to consume food will be better as well, rather than if you're freezing cold, the only thing you're thinking about is hot shower. And, and surviving <laughs> and surviving <laughs> mm. each minute as it goes. But if you're warm, you'll consume for you better. There's no doubt that in the colder weather they do consume more of like the gel type fuels rather than the, the uh you know, probably the rice cakes and things like that because of the cold weather.
1: Okay, uh, let's talk about the other big story of the week and this report in the UK uh, all around Team Sky in 2012. And this line, they might have crossed the ethical line. It's a very tricky subject. I know all of us, pretty much, with four of us in the studio here, we have four different opinions on on where it lies. Maka, what, what do you think of this? Oh, I'm first. Okay. Gee, I better get it right. <laughs> you, you've been the more um, yeah, vocal. Yeah, no, I,
3: it's, it's a funny one. And, and Sophie and we'll, we'll all chime in and we... Maybe butt heads a little bit on it i 'm not sure, but i 've come around a bit since i first since that news first broke my first my instant reaction was we 're not learning anything new. we knew about the the jiffy bag we 've known about it for one or two years now. Give or take um, so the news isn't any new and correct me if i 'm wrong in a minute sophie, but it's the fact that it's come from a parliamentary inquiry and but I still say with that, and so it's making noise and it's making headlines, and we know that now, and it's made headlines here in Australia. It's on uh, on other networks in Australia. It's been on the news. However, it's still just a bunch of mainly men and a few females that have come to this conclusion that have nothing to do with cycling should we trust a politician, and they're, they're saying they've got an anonymous source that they haven't named as yet, so to me, that sums it up, and I, I'm trying
1: to stick with the facts, I guess. So, uh, Sophia, yeah, that's yeah. how I sit with it. I think Sophie, you have a very good insight with uh, with Rogers.
2: We had a, Well, we had a healthy debate for us, didn't we, during the week when this all broke. I've spoken to a few people about it, and we'll continue to do that. And I was surprised actually, because if you look at it, I think now a few days after this House of Commons. Parliamentary inquiries come out and it's not just the 2012 Tour de France or one anonymous source who who Michael Rogers, when I spoke to him the other day, brought up. But this is written evidence from Shane Sutton, from David Brailsford, from Wiggins himself, from other witnesses related to Sky, British Cycling, um, UK anti-doping. A lot's gone into this report. And I was surprised because there's all these people coming out of the woodwork that now have absolutely nothing to do with t- Team Sky. Floyd Landis and Pat McQuaid, who 20 minutes ago we were all saying were the worst thing yep. in cycling, coming out and slamming them. So within that context, Rogers actually said to me that he actually agreed with Mack initial line, that he just thought this was a bunch of politicians who and this, the, the impetus with this was maybe above the athletes, above the sport, and there was something going on. At a much higher level, I respectfully disagree with him. Um, But his reasoning was—he actually called out the anonymous source that um, these British MPs drew on to say that Sky in 2012, for their general season preparations, more or less said they were systematically manipulating TUEs and like drug rules to get for performance gain, and so. In doing that, they've kind of affected anyone that was with Team Sky in, in 2012, which was They Rogers. said a breakaway
3: group, sorry to butt in for they a second, did. so they didn't said, they? They didn't they say, say it was said, a whole they team. They said the
2: team... Um, and then they, and then drawing on this anonymous source, I said there was a small group of riders, quote, who trained separately from the rest of the team and used corticosteroids outside of competition. All of those questions, I was actually really, really hard on Rogers, I put to him and he said he believed in Tim's guy. He actually labeled this report as low and below the belt and unfounded. And he's called on this anonymous source to bring up that one, point in a 52-page report, which wasn't all about cycling, it was about other sports as Mm. well, but that's one point out of a nutshell, which is why I spoke to him because that was a period in time where he was relevant to that season of competition. Outside of that, there's that other side of the argument where this could be the undoing of, of Team Sky, and this is skipping forward a bit, not just looking at what we've seen, but I think their Achilles heel is ironically going to be their zero tolerance yep that was sort of their their formative foundations and if you skip ahead to I think this is all going to come down to what happens with Chris Froome and technically if they abide by this zero tolerance policy which people are now saying was whiter than white and you know there's conjecture as to whether in cycling it's even feasible that I think as I said will be their Achilles heel because if Froome tests positive then technically if they stick to that line they've got to sack him
3: yeah I agree yeah Yep, absolutely. there's points there. And D- if they D-
2: don't, then they have to go back on a remit, which they've touted since their formative years in, tw- yep. in 2010 and will actually undermine their entire defence now.
4: Strip it back a little bit, though. Keep it a bit more basic. Team Sky is not the only team in cycling, it's not the only athlete. Brad Wiggins isn't the only athlete in the world that uses TUEs to assist their performance within the guidelines of anti doping rules. It's the grey area that is the problem. Yeah. You, have a look at, you have a look at the tennis stars. Well, it's the, the fact they've won stars, the last five of six I know, Tour but the France tennis sport. though. though. But, Macca, go back and have a look at the TUEs that are issued to the Grand Slam champions in the last decade, and it'll blow your mind out yeah. of the park. So what the issue for Team Sky is, is that they made everyone believe that they were walking a different rope to everyone else. We're doing it differently. We're unique. We're not touching anything. And that, as you said, will be the the, the sword that they die yeah. by, and that'll be the part that really does the damage, because they've tried to say, we've got this super clean image, you know, and it, it's happened before, and the facts are, well, you've got 28 riders, and you've got all these different staff and all the rest, how do you stay atop all of it?
1: Yeah, and I think you're right in the point that this story, we focus on the whole Wiggins and sky 2012 there are other athletes named in it. there's Mo Farah there's Lord Sebastian Coe as well with his mm. relationship with as as the uh, head of uh, athletics is that story almost too big for 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 us to comprehend it's it's
3: almost too big for the uk to handle and i'll I'll let you I'll credit you with this. You said before we started this pod, a couple of sirs and a lord in there. Yeah. So does that prove that um, you receive your sirs and lords out of a Kellogg's pack? Um, I think that's
2: proved a long, long, long. <laughs> well, I'm still searching for mine. I haven't found it. <laughs> Apparently, I've, it makes I've you got
3: got really my, important. Got my You've got, yeah, yours is a French one though, so you doesn't know. count. Yes,
2: and I'm a Republican, so unless <laughs> Prince Harry becomes single again, I, lie, I
3: don't. Can mind. I? We, we, weren't, we promised all of ourselves. We weren't going to harp on about this for a long time. However, I do want to ask you a question. Are there some, and specifically UK journalists, that are just going to go after Brailsford, I guess, in particular, and maybe Bradley Wiggins, because there's that little bit of tabloid. And I'm not saying they're going to be wrong. They're going to create a story that doesn't exist. What I'm asking you is, in your experience, do you think it could be now, because Brailsford has peeved off a few of these journalists over the years, and I've seen him, refuse to do interviews with certain we've seen it at the tour mm-hmm. haven't we
1: so what do you think on that I mean to go um, against your point is are they not doing their job is that is that what they are paid for the journalist as well because without them Armstrong would still have his 7 Tour de France correct you know? uh, the, I'm going to
2: butt in Sarah and then that's really unfair <laughs> because this none of this would have been uncovered if it weren't for the work of journalists yeah, in the UK and, and, no, and a, from Lamont.
3: You're agreeing.
1: Th- that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what he's saying.
3: Okay. I, I, they are yeah. doing their job. No, that's and, right. Yeah. Yeah. They've got, got the right to do
1: their job. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you know, with, the, without them, Armstrong would still have his seven tools. You know, we would not know about Jiffy G- Bag. We would not even know about Chris Froome totally. uh, being double the limit of where he's at. So, so this, they are totally doing their job. And yeah. thank you for that.
3: Yeah. And the sad, you know, the sad reality, and I think we can all agree on this, is it's taking a – yeah, when there's been a few things, but now it's a parliamentary inquiry. As I said before, repeat what I said that they have nothing to do with cycling, that they may now decide the fate or that they'll bring the outcome to a head. They'll bring it to a boiling point. It shouldn't be that. It should be the UCI or WADA.
2: I agree. And it was the same with the Armstrong thing. It was was, an outside party. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it seems easy to, Rogers in the interview that it's online, also and people starting to do this now, Pat McQuay did the same thing in a report overnight that came out overnight, blaming UCI and WADA for their being these grey areas Rogers said his quote was everyone's talking about grey areas make it black or make it white and this TUE debate I think it can go one two ways yes either tighten the rules so they can't be manipulated fine but, you know, there's, a, there's another part of it. It's like if you can't take a Panadol for a headache, it gets a bit puritan. It gets a bit and it gets a Yeah, bit, but you
4: don't need a TUE bit for a Panadol for a headache. But yeah. there, regardless, but people, a... there are people that are using it for benefit. They need to work out ways in which to restrict Make that. Make rules that can't be Minimalise it yeah. and because there's plenty of people out there using these assistant... Uh, medications so that they can perform a daily activity and be a professional athlete, and they should be allowed to do and that. And there is the something wrong with,
2: like I think what Dave said, that it shouldn't take third parties, yeah. big third parties, <laughs> but third yeah. parties to, to bring this out. Yeah. Do you
1: know what's fun? I've watched a documentary called uh, A Year in Yellow, Bradley Wiggins' A Year in Yellow yesterday, and you rewatch this with this news in your head, and this documentary makes it so clinical, so slick the way they prepare him, and he's like this rubble. I know he's the is the is the lad is the lad in there saying mm. but you watch this with your eyes now g- knowing what's been happening of presuming what's been happening yep. it makes a complete difference you know, is this total and BS? I think
3: there's and you know what there's more there's potentially another twist to it and uh the relationship that Bradley Wiggins has with Sky mm-hmm. and I'm talking presently and even during that Year he won, and obviously his relationship with Chris Froome isn't Not great. Flat. I don't think their they're both respective party uh, partners don't have a great relationship either. Is there something going on there? Are they are they trying to really push out Bradley Wiggins because Chris Froome is still under the microscope himself? Mm-hmm. And are they trying to just push uh, Bradley Wiggins out to the dogs a bit? So there's conspiracy theories and there's, there's a so lot many of conjecture
2: things. and motives. Even in the mm. inquiry itself, it, it becomes bodies. Yeah, conspiring and people within British Cycling and mm. people within Sky. I think that's valid conjecture. But if you look at, it's weird, macker because if you look at the way, even with Froome, like Sky's come out and made one statement or Brailsford's come out and made one statement. Froome's made a separate statement and it's the same with this. You could say, and they distance themselves from one another to a degree, yeah. but they're also using the same language. Strongly refute came up in Sky and in Bradley Wiggins' yep. um, defences. yeah.
1: yeah. Do you know what? Uh, talking about Panadol, there's probably a few guys at Sky today that are sleeping on Panadol because they must have a massive headache. Yeah, again. I think so. <laughs> I think to be <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. That's a good one,
4: Christoph. You've how long to pull that one out? I don't know. He's <laughs> he watching the water. Oh, I <laughs> know I can pull this one off. No, no, no. no, 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 no. That was good. No, no. He's, 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 he's here all
1: week. I think he's just crossed the line. It's, yeah. it's my job. No, it's a beautiful one. It might not be yours. Okay, let's talk cycling. What caught your eyes in the last two weeks since we? Uh, last met each other, there's been the Bianche. Uh, yes. First time I watched that race entirely.
3: Yep. Crazy. It is crazy. And I guess to to shorten it down, and we won't give the riders justice, but Rob Power, great to see him back. I mean, he had effectively a season out through injury.
4: Wow. Almost two.
3: Yeah. And, and we, we all know the potential he's got. So really good to see him in the top 10 there. And I am extremely excited about Amanda Spratt, and Lucy Kennedy, as well, both top 10 in the women's race as well, and Spratty has made it very clear her big target is women's Liage based on Liage. so but Lucy Kennedy, we we, can, well, we talk awesome. about her every every pod or every second pod. How exciting is she mm-hmm. and Absolutely. what she's done on her short time in the sport?
4: Well, we all love Spratty. I've, I'm very strong about my support for Spratty. She's an entertainer. But Lucy Kennedy rode for one role in that race, and that was to assist Amanda Spratt. And then and finished then she, ahead of and her. And then she finished ahead of her in her first ever classic. So she won the Aussie Cup so you got a remi- well <laughs> yes yes she won the uh, she won the Orica Cup too or, or yeah, the or the, Mitchelton the, Cup, U- the, Mitchelton, the <laughs> Mitchelton Cup, but it just shows that uh, you don't always need to be uh, have a wealth of experience you 've got to have two very special things and that 's a drive to be successful and also just a, a will not to give up and that race suits her to the ground, mm. even the run in into Siena into the Palio that's just an amazing finish, but perfect for her because she never gives up and and uh, Lucy Kennedy's brilliant. But you can't take anything away from um, the riders in those conditions. Also, Simon Clark top 20 as well. Yeah. So he continues to push really strongly.
1: Yeah. I'm going to fly the French flag, but Bardet second. Uh, that uh, that I was because, going to say, massive. you would be
4: excited, right. and you should be,
1: Yes, and about, I about July win. for him.
3: <laughs> yeah. That's, That's brilliant. So, not time Remember, for and,
4: and I'm going to <laughs> fall on my own sword here because… Uh, oh, no, let, let us give you a hand. <laughs> <laughs> I'll push it in a bit. <laughs> yeah. Roman Bardet, last time we were here, we were talking about the pictures of him doing recon for Parry roubaix yeah, yeah, exactly. And I said, what? Like, why would you do it at this time of the year and all the rest? Well, it's paid off. And he looked impressive. And he looked like he had fun. And take this the right way, Christophe, because most of the French riders they love to whinge. Any excuse on the market they'll take. Particularly that's the French, particularly Pinot. Oh, that's yeah. the French. Particularly <laughs> that's right. That's, <laughs> but Bardet, uh, he is he. I think he's real legitimate this year. You like know, to tackle anyone. Yeah,
3: he can. i allowed to say it under the SBS umbrella. I think he is the man to beat at the Tour de France based on early season form. With or without from? I'll say with.
1: Mm-hmm. Even with Froome, yep. I think, I, with, I think it's going to be. I think it's because of the
3: Parve sectors and his skills on the bike. Froome never made it to a sector when he he withdrew. Hmm. Few years Three ago, crashes. he actually never made it to a sector. But I think Bardet is looking good, and you know we're yet to see how Richie's going as the season unfolds. He's he's got a bit for ill. Sure. He's had to yep. withdraw from terreno From terreno. So you know the jury's out on Richie. wet just where he's at at the moment. We know he's going to be a challenger, but we want to see. The next, the next race for Richie will be a big telling point, but Bardet is getting the score on the board.
4: He's doing the hard yards, mm. so if you see that, and look, we know what Nibbly did uh, on the, the pave with us. That's right. Yeah. Back the, the last time they were there. So, but I want to say um, the Chris Room saga is not going to go away because he's on the start line, Reno Adriatico. Yep. That's the next race that kicks off with a team's time trial tonight and in the wet and a lot of people How in there. That's
2: actually smiling, just so everyone. Knows. What, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people. So we all are. Right? Tricky, a lot of people. In, a lot of people in their
4: previews, and these are people that are really a great, great uh, an, analysts of cycling. Have not got him finishing in the top five. Um and, and, he's, and yeah and is this is this a continuation of what we saw at Ruta del Sol yeah, he where he, he he finishes back mm. in the group to try and get exposure to the racing but not getting too much limelight so there's not too many stories to write but uh, yeah I, watch this watch this uh, this space because I think uh, Geraint Thomas is going to probably take out Torino Adriatico.
1: Okay, and last word with uh, Sophie, you were in the Middle East over the last uh, couple of weeks. I was. Uh, So you're the only one amongst this room that has actually met the new outfit, the new teams, the new lineups. Uh, What's the vibe?
2: Well, Alexander Kristoff, the European champion, is wearing white shorts. It'll are you happy about that? Does, or does, right? does, that, does <laughs> that suit him or not? Perforated white shorts. <laughs> I shouldn't say shorts. And cycling. You know what I mean? I'm going to get rid for that. And it was interesting. Oman, I don't know if anyone who's listening has ever been to Oman. It's a really interesting place. A place, very punchy. Uh, you're in roads that are just between sheer rock mountains. A lot of the riders that were there, we'd already seen it uh, to Adanda, some of them, um, Christoph was a, a standout because he wasn't sure where he was. He hadn't won anything in Dubai. I think he was a, he affected his confidence a bit, particularly with a new team. A lot of it was just seeing riders operating with their new teams and gelling, or f- for the most part, actually not gelling. But he was climbing really well there, and he was obviously got a few sp- um, sprint wins on the board. Astana as well uh, with um, Lopez, and I always pronounce his name wrong again. Lutsenko, thank you. Um, Katusha. Katusha I was more looking at at the Abu Dhabi tour. Yeah. And um, I read a lot about – Nathan Huss I actually should mention it, because mm. he was out sprinting good. Craig Van Avermaet and on the last day took out the points jersey. And his class, uh, focus focuses obviously on the Ardennes, so in terms of his early season form, and to bounce back from a really hot Australian summer. And it was really hot in Oman this year as well, actually. Abu Dhabi tour, I was looking at Rowan Dennis, obviously with BMC. He's targeting the Giro d'Italia this year along with co-captain – Nicholas Roche, and they've both got a bit of work to do, but he was quite impressive on the final climb to Green Mountain that Alejandro Valverde, the old war is still winning races. You know, I'm, in, I'm starting incredible. to interview people born in 1997. It's a very young peloton at the moment, so you almost forget that <laughs> there are people sort of post-35 that are, are still winning these races and and so well. Rowan said he was, you know, Rowan's being paced by um, Bookwater and then Caruso up this climb and... He said he was struggling. He looked back, and Valverde wasn't even breathing. That stage was interesting. The rest of the Abu Dhabi tour was, and I just said this off air before, something along the lines of on the first stage, mm-hmm. <laughs> there was an Astana rider that took a nature break with 12 kilometers to go. And got back on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they started racing in the last four was it, games, was it or stage. <laughs> oh, it was quite a bit of to be honest. They were, they were just tapping Should away. Um, Did he do a or? <laughs>
1: yeah. They
2: also had a photo finish there. Um, Marcel Kittle, I think it's fair to say, was feeling the pressure a bit. He's with a new team, Katusha Alferson, yeah. this season. He hasn't got a win on the board. He's the only one of the big sprinters that haven't gotten a win on the board. Along with Mark Cavendish, That, oh, he's got a win in, in Dubai, but he also can't seem to stay up straight <laughs> at the moment. He crashed down the Tour de France. He crashed in the neutral zone mm-hmm. and, and withdrew with like possible what they thought was with blash at the start. But um, Marcel, there was a bit of conjecture about his shape, um, whether he's not done enough in the, in the off-season, but his photo finish, I mean, if you look at that, I think it was stage, I want to say stage three. I'm not sure, don't quote me on that. He came from the bottom of the screen to a photo finish. Like he's got the oh, speed I there. Saw there's that. N- that there's was absolutely impressive. nothing wrong with his speed. Yeah. I think he said he's getting into shape now. He didn't say he's in shape. I think that's an important distinction. But at the moment, for these key sprinters, save for, um, you know, maybe Cavendish, oh, they're all in new teams. So mm-hmm. Viviani's walked into Quick Step Floors with a a a train that's made, like they've ridden for Cavendish, they've ridden for Kittle, it was just a matter of put a new guy on the end and make it work, which they didn't down under. Whereas Kittle, I think, is working with a Katusha Alperson team that's heavily recruited with an Anglophone focus over the off-season. So it's not just him working with a new team, it's a whole lot of riders who probably haven't been in a lead-out for a while also adjusting to a new team and to that, but I think he'll be fine. They were my main conclusions for three weeks in the Middle East. <laughs> Thank you for the Sophie report. Yeah. Also, donate <laughs> fish from a Bay Marie that's been there for a couple of hours. So. Okay. <laughs> I uh,
1: for that one and for the next two weeks, what are we looking for? Well, there's plenty
3: coming up, isn't there? Obviously, with Tirreno starting. The end of Paris End of Paris Nice. Live then, on SBS. And then we move into the, the big classics. Zironda van Vlaanderen, Paris Roubaix a week later, the Ardennes. That's a bit further off, but. Yeah, it's exciting, and Milan San Remo, of course. Before that, before all of that, so um, which is always Perry, Nice, and Torino are always. That's where all the teams go. They're all prepping for Milan San Remo. So, have we got a pick? We well, I'll tell you what. Make you, a tip.
4: You, you, you can't actually put a line through Valverde this year for Milan San Remo either. He finishes in Strada Bianca right at the top he sent absolute uh, goosebumps through the peloton for the Ardennes classics he'll probably win all of them he'll win flesh he, again he'll win flesh easy
3: what's that no, he'll be going six. to number 5 or 6 yeah, 6
4: i think it's 6 yeah. uh, so but there's so many great riders we saw like, we spoke about it last time we were here the peloton has raised a level across the whole peloton mm. it's not like three or four riders dominating uh, Kwiatkowski, i like uh, your Grunewagen um, for Tim MSR, Wellens, maybe. Uh, Tish Benut. You yeah, can keep going, going for for ages. There's so basically, some... we don't know.
1: We, we, don't, know. Know. <laughs> we don't know. We're, we're the experts, <laughs> Everyone apparently, can leave. and we don't know. <laughs> okay, thank you, guys. It's been uh, great to have you around, and uh, we'll see you next time. Merci. Thank you and this is it for the Zwift Cycling Central podcast this week before we go let me remind you that you can download or stream this podcast from our website sbs.com.au slash cycling central or schedule a ride with our lovely friends at Zwift until next time, safe riding everyone and we'll catch you in a fortnight bye for now
0: Zwift has group rides for all levels. With a ride approximately every 30 minutes, you can join a group and ride that fits your schedule and your level. Group rides stay together behind a leader. They enjoy friendly banter, a relaxed vibe, a little bit of fun and some friendly racing. Just like rides in the real world, except there's no worries about a rear wheel puncher slowing the group down or being left behind. Check it out for yourself at Zwift.com today.